You're listening to the Influencer Podcast, episode number 60. And for this week's show, ah, it is such a thought-provoking discussion with my new friend, Ariane Simone. Ariane not only went from living in her car to handling PR and marketing for clients like Disney and Lil Wayne, but has also gone on to create Fearless Magazine, which you might have heard of before. Much more on that journey in this week's show. Get ready to be inspired. Before we dive in, I want to give my warm appreciation to our reviewer of the week, and that is Kimstrick1. And she says, love, 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 hands down one of my favorite podcasts. Julie has such great and insightful tips and truly empowering interviews. It is a can't miss. Well, thank you, Miss Kimstrick1. I love that you find it empowering and insightful and that you can't miss it. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hello, influencers, and welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to chat with Ariane Simone from Fearless Magazine today as we cover a few topics that I've been wanting to for quite some time. Before we get into that, let me tell you a little bit more about this amazing woman. After living in her car for nearly a year, Ariane went on to build a PR and marketing firm that has covered some of the top names in the entertainment world. Disney, check. Sony, check. Neo, check. You guys, she is kind of a big deal, and her story is amazing. She comes from a long line of trailblazers in the civil rights movement, and she's absolutely been a trailblazer of her own in the influencer field. Ariane and her company have been featured in Cosmo, Huffington Post, Girl Boss, the list goes on. On top of all of that, Ariane and her team run a fearless conference, which is a space for women to learn to scale their business all while recognizing their life principles. I can't wait for her to share more about this because it sounds right up our alley. I'll be chatting with Ariane about the unique ways that she grows her massive email list and how to keep brands coming back time and time again. Ariane is such a mix of brains and heart, and I'm ready to warmly welcome her to the show today. So thank you so much for coming on today. I am so excited to chat with you. Well, I am excited to be here, Julie. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I wanted to start this conversation by asking you a question that I ask everyone that comes on the show, and that is, what does influence mean to you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> influence means to me having a positive impact on someone else's life. Mm, that's good. It's good and strong. Um, <laughs> I know that you had said to me um, prior to our conversation now that early in your career, you were laid off and you ended up living out of your car and really kind of went through a lot of um, struggles and, you know, God's kind of way of really showing you what your strength is and being able to overcome a lot of things. Um, but from that, you said that you learned how to exercise patience more. Can you share some of this and how you were able to overcome some of your darkest moments and really rewrite your journey to all of the beautiful things that you do now? Oh my gosh. Um, yes. When I was in college, I was an entrepreneur and I should have just been more patient. And that's what I mean by that. I thought like I was failing, literally things, business just had its ups and its downs. And I was just like, you know what? I want something stable. 
So I took matters into my own hands and I got a job and it was all the way in Los Angeles. And I only worked there for 30 days. It was Nellie's Apple Bottoms and the company got sold. And while I was there those 30 days, I placed products on Oprah Winfrey, on Tyra Banks, on Jessica Simpson. I was like turning the whole company around. And I was like, how could this just happen to me? And through time, like I said, I you know, lost the job because the company got sold and I ended up moving from my apartment to my car. And life just definitely did take a turn. But what I mean by I learned how to exercise patience, because when I look back at the entire journey, I see that had I just been patient with entrepreneurship the first time, I would still be, and I, well, I'm, I am an entrepreneur, but I literally, God just took my detour and got me to my destination, basically. Mm, mm. <laughs> so that's pretty much what happened, that I was always supposed to be an entrepreneur. And when I chose to be out of alignment with my purpose, mm. I was just brought back to it. And I just caused more, <laughs> um, I would say, chaos in my life than that had to be. Mm. So that's what I mean by it just showed me to exercise patience, that I wasn't on the wrong track. It was the, the reality is just life just has things that sometimes you just have to overcome and go through and just challenges that you have to deal with and just get over. Mm. And by me trying to avoid those, I caused myself more ruckus than had I just gone through it. Mm. Well, as a entrepreneur, as a you know, working powerhouse female that you are, how can you help those listening today who may struggle with that, the idea of being patient and wanting to kind of lead instead of receive and want to, you know, control and to force? Um, how can we all become more patient? Honestly, it, it is it's definitely a journey. Like I say, I still have mm-hmm. to work on, you know, Day to day, I have grown in my patience, but I'm always growing in my patience. Mm. So in that, you just have to also, I know it sounds like cliche, but you even be patient just with yourself in the process. Mm. Um, a lot of people, like I say, we do go through that because we definitely want to control. Um, and I don't know what, you know, anybody's faith is that's listening, but it's just like my, I am Christian and I you know, make no apologies for it and I have no problem sharing it. But as at, in my faith, I have to realize that when I control everything that I don't allow God the room to make miracles. Mm. And if my hand is on everything, then what role does my faith play or what role does God play if I have to control everything? Then I don't need to believe in a higher power if I'm in full control. Oh, I love that. So true. Um, And it's such a great reminder of just, you know, sometimes we need to, you know, we're we're not always in in the driver's seat. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, you'd be surprised, like, when you just let back and just surrender, that's I'm telling you, miracles just happen. You you allow space for that to take place. And let's say, but trust me, I will be very honest. It took me time Mm. (laughs) to get there. I am a type A personality. I am a person that is the boss and that's just me. And I have to just remember there's just so much power in submission, whether it's submission in your faith, submission in your marriage, just being submissive. It it allows room for that to take place. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you for that reminder today. My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, 
you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions, whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. My friends, as creators, we work so hard creating our content. So we don't want to leave it up to things like an algorithm to determine how successful our online brands and businesses can be. And that is why I love Kajabi. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs like myself build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. And I know they can help you too. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, your passions, your experiences into enriching offers like online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. What I love about Kajabi is that not only does it make it super easy to use, but they don't take a cut of your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. You don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income online. I talk about that all the time here on the podcast. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures without having hundreds of thousands of followers, and you can too. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash influencer. Go to kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Um, I, we know that you have such an extensive background in marketing um, and really just a strong, keen understanding of the importance of marketing, especially in this digital age, this influencer marketing space, and the importance of ROI, which is the return on investment, and how important that is when working with brands. And for someone who doesn't have this strength in the understanding that may be listening today, what tips can you share that can help listeners understand more about ROI and what it exactly means for the brand and how they can better understand the return, their return on investment and what they kind of bring to the table with that and how to, to deliver that best return? Okay. I got you. <laughs> yes. Um, in simple terms, for somebody who does not have a marketing background, for somebody who is not even a business person, you know, just by nature, um, ROI is return on investment. So pretty much the brand or the company, if they're going to invest their money in you, they want to receive something from that. And just a basic principle that I tell anybody who does business, you always want to give somebody more than what they pay for. And that's how you pretty much stay in business. Mm. So that's just like the basic premise of it. Business needs to be win-win. The reality is if I win and you lose, you're not doing business with me again. And if you win and I lose, I'm not doing business with you again. So we always have to have a middle ground that is of we both win. 
And I say the best way I could tell people is always offer just a little bit more, not to worry that you're abusing your worth, Mm -hmm. but just a little bit more than what people are paying for, because that will go a long way. So pretty much a brand is going to reach out to you and they're like, hey, we're willing to give you $5,000 for this campaign. And then they have outlined, you know, five things for you to do. Well, you may just want to throw in a six and a seven just in just to put the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. Just so they're like, oh, my gosh, it was so great working for so and so. They went above and beyond what we thought they were going to do. We will work with them again. Now, don't get me wrong. I will give the disclaimer. You want to make sure that there's some level of um, they're not they're not asking you to do too much for the money. So, of course, you do know that you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's way too much. You're asking for this. I'm not referring to that scenario. I'm referring to once you've gotten to the grounds of negotiation and you have a fair playing field, then you go back and add a cherry on top just to surprise them in the end. And that's those things that keep the relationship just going. That's what keeps them calling you back. And I have no problem with even sharing just um, something I did recently with the brand. I believe in giftology. I was just in a Ford campaign and they used female entrepreneurs for it. And it was called a sisterhood of boss women. And I was just like, oh, this was great. Thank you for having me. I made sure everybody on their staff, you know, that, that reached out to me to secure me for the job. I did check off all my points. I did give a little extra on the top. And then I sent gifts. Hmm. You know, right now, just the the simple handwritten notes still go a long way. Um, Just a little gesture of a gift just to say, you know, what? thank you so much for thinking of me. And they've even reached out since then. So it it definitely goes a long way. But basically, for those who didn't understand ROI or didn't understand that, just give a little bit more on top once you've negotiated the deal so that you can be memorable. When people remember you, it goes a long way. Oh, sister, I'm loving you right now. You are just, oh, that's so, 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 so good. And I loved what you said that you just, as simple as you telling them, thank you for having me. Because Mm -hmm. you're coming from this place of like, you know, I don't think that I am better than or too good. I, I feel like a lot of times with influencers, they feel like, the brand is is doing them a favor by having them on there or being a part of the collaboration. And what I always say is like, no, like it, it is a it's it's a mutual exchange. It's uh-huh. a flow. And, you know, you have to come from this place of gratitude and service and, and be just so gracious and honored to be a part of that experience. You know, we aren't owed anything. And so I love that you that just even those words of thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to be here and, and use my my gifts to, um, to to help you guys with your bottom line, and then you topped it off with just you know sending them a gift or a thank you, just little things like that. It it truly does go um, a long way. So I think that you gave so many great examples of of how you can give the return on investment. It's not always just about you know uh, the you know how many likes did you get on the photo or how many people you know b- bought the product at the end of the day. There can be more return on the investment that the brand can receive if you come from this place of service and really wanting to be the best version of yourself and give the best that you can. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I want to, yes, of course. I want to talk about the, um, I call it the rat race in the influencer space with you for a moment, as I know that a challenge that you had mentioned to me that you've experienced in the past is, um, racism and kind of being put into a box 
just based on a particular race in this influencer space. Um, you said that when you produce events, um, you're automatically directed to the diversity team that have smaller budgets and not the general market. And you're asked to adjust your lineup. And it kind of just, it puts you in this, you know, hamster wheel, this rat race of having to feel like you have to go above and beyond because you don't even have an equal playing field to begin with. And so um, I know that you mentioned how you've handled this in the past and that you just, you stay true to your audience. You stay true to what you know to be true, what you know to be right, what you know to be fair, and that you know that your community is loyal to you and to your message and to how you do your business. And so you have to keep that demographic in alignment. So do you have any advice that you can share with listeners today who may be experiencing this as well, that may feel like they're being shut out or not, their voice isn't being heard, or they're just not given the opportunity that they see other men and women getting and how they can best shift that change toward a more balanced and equal opportunity across the board, regardless of race or gender or socioeconomic background? Oh, you summed that up so eloquently. Thank you. <laughs> you summed that up. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I can't wait for this to air. I can't wait to replay this. Oh, my gosh. So my advice I would give is, honestly, is there's always going to be an education piece. Mm. Um and that's just the reality of it. And it's just not being getting discouraged in the education piece, because sometimes it's just really of a matter of somebody just might not know. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong. When I say I went through it when I recently produced our first conference because I had to present so many times and it did become exhausting. I will be, you know, just and that's just me telling the truth. I'd lie. I'd be lying if I told you otherwise. But I will say that life definitely prepared me for it because when I was living out in my car, I applied for 153 jobs mm. and I couldn't believe that when no one hired me, what was happening. But you know what it did? It prepared me for the time when I did have to present to over 100 companies and I did have to express that my audience mattered and I did have to explain all of our statistics. But there's just be patient again, like I say, in the education process of it. Um, some people, you know, when you just educate and just make people aware and, and just create that environment of openness, people are receptive. And that's just the reality of it. So it's just you're just going to have to continue to educate and then explain the value. And then numbers don't lie. That's one thing that you were going to always have in your corner is that numbers don't lie. So the second that you're in a position to express all of that, you have um, you have the, the data to back it up. You know, it's not like I'm selling anybody something based upon opinion. It, it's factual. I'm like, OK, these are our numbers. These are social media impressions. This is my audience. and My audience is powerful, which it is. Mm. And that is I mean, that's the great thing about data. It doesn't have a color of skin. It doesn't have, mm -hmm. you know, a socioeconomic background that someone may not understand. Um, and I do think and I use the word ignorance, not in a negative way, but I do think that a lot of it just stems from you know, the word ignorance to me is just like a person just does not know. They don't know mm -hmm. any different and so they can't know any better. And so I love that you started it off with the education piece and really having that be the forefront. Um, I know that you mentioned data. Is there anything else that someone could bring to the table to help inform and educate um, someone who may not have the understanding that um, that they should in order to grow? Um, outside of the data, 
I would say this is more so from an empathetic um, standpoint, like something just being human and something to relate. They can present different scenarios that just more so, um, I would say, like say humanize the situation. I know like back in the entertainment industry, we're referring to like a movie or a TV show. We'll say this is like such and such meets such and such mm-hmm. to give an example of like a movie. So you have to learn how to meet people where they're at. So if you see that there's, you know, a lack of understanding somewhere, think about what's in their life and what's within their knowledge that they can relate to. Mm -hmm. So you want to be the person that bridges that gap to say, you know what, this is actually kind of like this meets this. So make it relatable to the person. So therefore you're reaching them where they're at. Oh, I love that. And it reminds me of, did you see the movie Hidden Figures? Yeah. The scene where Janelle Monae, she's at the courthouse and Mm -hmm. she knew that she was going to have to relate to that judge in order to mm-hmm. get into the yes. night classes. And so she did, yes. she did her homework and she was like, he's going to be able to relate with me by, by wanting to be the first to accomplish something. So I'm yes. going to go there. And she did it. And you could just, you could see like the, the kind of the twinkle in his eye. Like he just, he was able to see her and understand her. And that moment, I just, that was to me like the most impactful scene of that entire movie because she didn't come at it with force or with um, sadness or with fear. She just came at it with really meeting him where he, where he was. And from that, he was able to see her. So I love that. That's a great example. Um, I know also that um, a lot of what you have accomplished throughout your incredible career and a lot of what you hope to accomplish really stems from your desire and your hunger to pave the way for those women and men who may come after you. You know, you want to basically let them know that you see them and that you're on the same path as them. You may be ahead, but you're wanting mm-hmm. to pave that path for them and to really give them light and direction where they may not have had any before. So I would love to know who are the men and women that um, were that for you? Anyone that you feel paved the way for you or that you look to as kind of a mentor on the path that you're on? Oh, thank you. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost, um, my parents, um, if people who hear my story and the whole journey, they know that my parents divorced at some point, but I was raised in a two parent household. Um, even, you know, my mom is remarried and whatnot, but my father represented, um, and always kept around us different civil rights leaders. And he was Rosa Parks attorney. We were always around like even Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King's wife, So I will definitely say my parents, my mother also won the largest discrimination um, case in the state of Michigan. So my parents, first and foremost, were definitely trailblazers and making a way for the next generation is in myself. Um, And they kept people around us that were always trailblazers as well, too. So we were always constantly seeing people just on the front line, whether it was a community activist or it's your local teacher, just people just operating in a, in a position of purpose and in a position of serving others. So I was definitely raised around that. So I would definitely say a lot of my fight comes from that. Um, professionally, most definitely, my career started in 2004 in the area of PR marketing with films. And there was a lady by the name of Rod Stevenson that um, mentored me 
And she was the first black exec at Universal. And she had serviced over 700 movie campaigns. Yep. And I will definitely say that she took me under her wing and her tutelage and just taught me everything she knew. And it was that was definitely an honor. So there are people always that I get to learn from that are around me that have made ways for others, which is why for me, it's so important to make way, you know, for the next people to come behind myself. Mm. What beautiful mentors and like, I mean, how incredible are your parents and to be a part of that time and to enact so much change and, and pr- progress. That's incredible. Oh, thank you. Um, so switching gears a little bit to email lists, I know that you are a firm believer in the importance of building an email list. Um, can you give any guidance on how you were able to create and grow your email list kind of, I guess, when, when you started to do that? And what did you really do differently than maybe other people were not doing that you think helped you grow your list and, and sustain the list and keep it growing? Got you. Um, The first thing I would say I did definitely to grow my list was I actually held a lot of physical events. And what I mean by that is my list started in 2004. So it started before social media. Yeah, this was way before social media hit. So I've always had a strong email list. Um, When we would have different events, I would ask for everybody's email address. And then I would just stay in touch with people that way. So that was my way of just staying in touch before social media existed. Now that social media does exist, um, people can always do like different giveaways to grow the list. You can do um, just different um, activities, giving out different content to grow the list. Like, hey, if you want this guide, submit your email here. So there's all those things. But the reason why I do think that my list grew so strong and so quick at first is because these people did actually have a physical encounter with me. This was not during the digital age. These people actually saw me at a certain point in time. And so therefore, when they would receive my email, they're like, oh, my gosh, Arian sent us a message. She's updating us on her on her on her life, updating us on her life. And it was just refreshing. So at some point I had shaken a hand with this person. So that's why I say it's more more so it's been over time. It wasn't like a rapid growing list. But I mean, of course, it's large now. But it was because I had started it with just people that I had face-to-face interaction with. And not that I had it with it all with them all the time, but at some point they shook my hand. Mm. Yeah, having that FaceTime, I think, as, as, as big or small as it may be, I think totally makes a huge difference. I know that you believe that a huge key to success is really knowing your value and knowing how to effectively communicate. You've talked a lot about communication throughout our conversation so far. How can those listening that have a hard time discovering or really kind of uncovering this for themselves, try to understand their values more? And what questions should they be asking themselves to really know what their value is, what they bring to the table and how they can effectively communicate that? Oh my gosh, that is good. To understand your values more, I don't even want to give you anything deep. This is not anything of um, that's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is super deep. I need to really think about this. But when I what I can say is this: simply think about what people ask you to do all the time. Mm, I love that because you really can take it from there that, you know, a lot of times it's what other people may see in you, you may not see in yourself. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we 
kind of get lost in that. So it's it's great to to have it be kind of like just as simple as that. Because um, you may be surprised what what people what people say that they need from you. It may not even be something that you ever thought about before. Whatever they keep asking you about is where you offer value. Mm. So that's why I said it's just as simple as what do people always ask you for? People always ask me for a connection to somebody. Mm. And I don't take offense to it. <clears throat> You're a connector. I was just about to say that. Those are my next yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> my next words were I'm a connector. And I'm aware of that. And that's a gift that I have. And I was able to see that that was a gift I have because everybody kept asking me, oh, can you connect me to so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just take it very simple as <clears throat> what are people always asking for? Are they asking advice on shopping? Are they asking advice on makeup? Are they asking for advice on what I, whatever they're asking you advice for? There's a reason for that is because you have a gift in that area and that's where you offer value. Mm, I love it. Well, what else is coming up for you that you can share with us, whether it's short term or long term? What can we get excited to support you on? The Fearless Conference. Yay! <laughs> Our next conference is July 21st. It will be in Los Angeles at the W Hollywood. And it's Think Fearless Destiny. And ha- one half of the conference is all business focused. So it's pretty much like on growing your business, scaling your business, getting funding for your business. And the other half is pretty much like all on life principles, like your self-care, your mental health, your relationships. So it is definitely an awesome time. Um, Hundreds of women will be gathered there just to learn and connect. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to it. Mm. And that word fearless, what, why that word? Why, why choose that one to kind of really be the word that describes, um, you know, your mission and your brand? Oh my gosh. Because through time, I saw that my fearlessness was kind of like my ingredient to my success. Mm. I am the person that never let the child in her die. You know, like the child will run into the pool and not know they can swim. Yes. (laughs) Yes. There is something in that, that that child, before people in life start projecting their own fears on you, who were you before that? And that's why I love the word fearless. I love that. Mm, Child of God. So good. If someone was to describe your purpose and your mission, what do you hope that they would say about it? Oh, my gosh. If somebody would describe my purpose and my mission, then I am somebody um, that generally cares for others, that generally makes a way for others, um, and that is generally of service to others. Mm. That's something I would love to hear. I love that. Well, where can people connect with you on social media and online? And where can we find out more about the Fearless Conference? You can connect with me on social media. I'm at Arian Simone. And I'm also at Fearless Mag. So my name is spelled A-R-I-A-N-S-I-M-O-N-E. Or on anything else, it's always at Fearless Mag. It's one or the other. To find out more about the Fearless Conference, they can simply go to fearlessmag.com and click on conference. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your heart and your wisdom and your service. Um, I am so excited for everyone to just dive into this conversation. And, and for those listening, if you want to dive in more, you can, as always, head over to theinfluencerpodcast.com, where there will be show notes and links to everything that we discussed today, especially the conference, and you'll be able to get more information there. So thank you again so much. It was such a pleasure having you on today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. I'm so excited about this show. Thank you. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com, where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.